Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. My name is Rick Thompson. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. Um, We are in a new series that we are calling Feast of Faith, Your Appetite, God's Word. Your Appetite, God's Word. Now, we thought it was a great title in a lot of this being the season to not just get together as a family with friends uh, uh, to enjoy each other's company, but um, we are also reminded that during this time, that even though there's going to be a lot of food and fellowship as we enter into the season, that the Bible makes it clear in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus was responding to the temptations of the devil, he told the devil, he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Folks, we need God. We need him in our lives. And so in this series, uh, we ask you to pick the topics that we're going to be discussing over the next few weeks, um, both in this uh, on, in this message on Sunday, but also in our life groups. And we're going to encourage you to jump into a life group. Uh, and I got a lot of interesting feedback. <laughs> I got a stack about that thick from you guys in, term, in terms of the subject matter. And for today's message, I picked one out of that stack. And I thought while it was still fresh in our minds about last week's message, take, uh, the things that are taking place in Israel, that this morning we'll talk about Bible prophecy, the Antichrist, and the rapture. Bible prophecy, the Antichrist, and the rapture. And we're going to feast on God's word to see what it says and what we should do in light of what it says. Now, now I want to start this message by looking in the book of Hebrews. Some, some, they're not sure who wrote it, but to me, it looks, sounds like the Apostle Paul because it's written the same way as the other uh, uh, epistles that he wrote. But in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, it says, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. What's the sacrifice he's talking about? Not complicated. Come on, say it's Jesus. By one sacrifice he has made perfect forever, forever. Someone say forever. For those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, someone say that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where, the, where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. So what are these verses talking about? What is it referring to? It's talking about the new covenant or the agreement we all have in Christ. The old Mosaic covenant that was handed, out, handed down through Moses to the people of Israel, if I was going to liken it onto, onto something, it would, it would be like a handshake agreement. Now, I said that because a handshake agreement requires two people to, to, to honor what they're saying, right? If one breaks it, then, you know, you broke the covenant or you broke the agreement. Well, God never broke it. The children of Israel were constantly breaking it. Um, And so under the new covenant, it's not a handshake. It's more like a risk lock. 
which means that even if I let go, the Bible, the Bible is insinuating that God's never going to let go. Amen? And so it calls it a new and better covenant, uh, uh, one in which God is introducing. He's, not, he's no longer talking about laws written on stone tablets. He says, in that day, in that day, he says, I'm going to write my laws in their minds and on their hearts. They're going to know what, I, what I'm asking of them. And so with the introduction of a new and better covenant, the, the Bible says it makes it clear what happens to the old covenant. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one, what's the word he uses? Obsolete. What does obsolete mean? Help, help me, somebody. Just yell it out. No longer, right? No longer necessary, no longer needed. And what's obsolete and outdated and we're going to look at that today, will soon, he says, disappear. Again, speaking of the old Mosaic Covenant with its systems of temple worship and sacrifices of animals and bulls and goats and lambs for the yearly atonement of their sins. And so the Jews under that system will practice a thing called the Day of Atonement where everyone had to come once a year and sacrifice for their sins. And it would literally be a bloodbath because they would, they would take the animals and goats and bulls and, and they knew they were sinners, but they had to do this yearly, year in and year out. That was the old covenant, a system that absolutely required uh, uh, much needed forgiveness. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, it says, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with what? With blood. And without the shedding of blood, what does it say? There is no forgiveness of sins. And so the scripture makes it clear that the, the Mosaic Covenant was a type and shadow of what God was going to do and always intended to do through his son, Jesus Christ, who was called the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Uh, they would go in every year with the sacrifice, and they would sprinkle the blood. Every year was the same thing. And, and, and the Bible says with, uh, the life is in the blood without the shedding of the blood. There is no forgiveness of sin. And folks, what did Jesus do on the cross? He shed his blood once and for all, the perfect sacrifice. Now, Jesus, the Messiah, the scripture says he came into his own and his own received him not. Luke chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus speaking. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so with that rejection, Jesus prophesied, he says, there's going to be an invasion and a dismantling of the, of the temple. He was walking through the temple one day and his and his. Uh, disciples made a comment. Luke chapter 21, verse 5. Some of the disciples were remarking, remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, verse 6, as for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when would these things happen and what would be the sign that they are about to take place? And, and that's when Jesus started to teach on the end times and, and what we are supposed to look for. He said there will be deceptions and wars and rumors of wars. He said there's going to be unusual climate activities. We'll talk about that and so on. And history tells us 
concerning the temple that it was indeed destroyed, destroyed in 70 AD, some 40 years after Jesus predicted it. And Jesus was proclaimed in Jerusalem, look, behold, John the Baptist, look, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And so in 70 AD, Jerusalem was completely overrun and destroyed by the Roman general Titus. And the soldiers hearing the reports that the walls had precious gold and metal in them, what did they do? They completely dismantled every stone to get the melted gold, just like Jesus said. And the people, what happened to them? They were killed or dispersed among the nations and among the countries. And Jerusalem fell under complete Gentile control. Now listen, Luke chapter 21, verse 24. It, Jesus said, they will fall by the sword and they will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. The Living Translation says that this day, they will be killed by the sword or sent away as captives to all the nations of the world, and Jerusalem will be trampled down by the Gentiles until the period of the Gentiles come to an end. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're closer than we've ever been. Now, now why do I say that? I say that because in trying to determine where, where we are in the great scheme of things, I said last week we have to keep our eyes on Israel, on Jerusalem, because our great Christian heritage started there out of Judaism. We come out of that religion, and according to the scriptures, it's all going to end right over there on that little patch of dirt. Now, have you ever wondered why that strip of land smaller than Rhode Island seems to dominate the news year in and year out? Because the Bible says that eventually that's going to be the final staging ground. The battle that ends all battles is supposed to happen right over there. It's called the Battle of Armageddon. Anyone ever heard of that? And so many are curious of the facts of, of, of what's taking place with these battles, skirmishes and wars, and, and where do we stand? Well, I, I want to take this morning just a few moments to look at 11 end time prophecies. There are more. But these prophecies predict what it's going to look like during the end times and the reasons why I think that we're closer than we've ever been. The first one is simply this, and it's probably the most important, the return of the Jewish people to Israel. The return of the Jewish people to Israel. In Luke chapter 21, verse 24, again, Jesus prophesied, Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles, until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. The prophet Isaiah in, in, in chapter 11, verse 11 says, In that day the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to bring back the remnant of his people, those who remain in Assyria and northern Egypt and southern Egypt and Ethiopia and Elam and Babylonia and Hamath and all the distant coastlands. He will raise a flag among the nations and assemble the exiles of Israel, and he will gather the scattered people of Judah from the ends of the earth. Folks, when did that happen? That happened on May 14, 1948. The state of Israel was reborn. It was reborn. That's never happened with another nation that's been totally eradicated. Never, especially after this long. And in June 1967, in a miraculous six-day war I talked about last week, 
for the first time in 1,897 years, Jerusalem was back under the control of the Israelis. That's when it happened. Now, why is this significant? And why should we even care? Because Jesus said the generation, this is your next fill-in, that starts to see the end time signs being fulfilled will not pass before the Lord's returns. Again, turn to someone and say, we're closer than we've ever been. Luke chapter 21, verse 31 says, in the same time, in the same way, when you see all these things taking place, Jesus speaking, you can know that the kingdom of God is near. And I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from, from the scene from the scene until all these things have taken place. All these things have taken place. Now take note of the word all, all. Again, could we be in that generation? Well, what are some of the other signs that Jesus and the prophets predicted that might apply to this generation? He tells us, notwithstanding what the world is saying, that <laughs> the climate change is man-made, but the Bible says as we get closer and closer to the end, that the, that the weather conditions are going to intensify. They're going to intensify. Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, verse 25, and there will be strange signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. And here on the earth, the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed. Why? By the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Take note of that word. Because you don't have to be a meteorologist to see that just over the last several years, we've been showing an increase. I, I, I don't doubt that the climate is changing. I know the climate is changing. I just don't agree with the reasons why they say it's changing. I think man could do nothing. You could go back to the horse and buggy. And it's still going to be this. These things are going to happen as we get closer and closer to the end times. And so we have an increase in extreme weather patterns. There's been hurricanes with devastating effects, killer tornadoes, tsunamis, earthquakes that are wiping people out in biblical numbers. Someone might say, well, Pastor Rick, we've always had them. Well, yes, we have, but the intensity or the regularity has gone up, and, and they aren't just taking out one or a hundred people. We're recording in our generations thousands, in some cases hundreds of thousands of people. Over a thousand people in Louisiana or in Katrina died. Over 10,000 in mudslides of, of South America. 40,000 in the Pakistani earthquakes. In 05, in October, in, in the case of the Asian tsunamis, how many people got, got wiped out in, a, in, a, in that tsunami? Let me give you the number. 229,886 people lost their lives when that earthquake hit and a tsunami hit that island. And they recorded that as a 9.0 on the Richter scale, and then it was upgraded because the scientists are 9.1 to 9.3, because the scientists recorded that it was so large that it caused the entire planet to vibrate and at least half an inch or over a centimeter, and, and now that it's off its axis just that much. The whole world will be shaken. Imagine that. We don't have to imagine it because we've been experiencing it in our lifetime. 
Jesus went on to say in Matthew 24, he says, and you will hear of wars and, and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the earth, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Which leads me to number four. Jesus said there'll be wars, again, rumors of wars, nation against nations, kingdom against kingdom. But he said there'll be famines and there will be earthquakes. Now, we've already talked about the earthquakes, but what about the famines or, or world hunger? Statistically, you don't have to go far. We have this thing called Google now. that They say about 10% of the global population regularly go to bed hungry. So as of today, how many people are on the planet? Anybody know? Eight billion people on the planet. What's 10% of that? 800 million. Am I saying it right? People going to bed regularly hungry. In, our, in this world today. Now, contrary to what the globalists are saying, that's not because the world God created can't produce enough food to feed them. That's what they want you to believe, and so they want, they want to thin out the herd. That, that is not the case. World agri agriculture produces 17% more calories per person today than it did 30 years ago, despite a 70% population increase. The problem isn't God's earth and his ability to produce. We can sustain... You know, 16 billion, 30 billion people on this planet. The problem is that many people in the world don't have sufficient land to grow or income to increase. They don't have enough food or they suffer from extreme weather events like the droughts or the floods. And then there's the global conflicts like the war in Ukraine that restrict food supplies from reaching the people. Ukraine is considered the breadbasket of the world, one of them. And so now you have a war, and what happens? It cuts off the flow of the, of the wheat going out to the world. And so when Europe and, and America, they say when Europe and America gets a cold, the rest of the world gets the flu. If we're having problems over here with inflation, the, the, the other countries are having serious, serious problems. And so there are a lot of factors, including poverty among the highest, because large numbers of the world's populations are trapped in regions where, where politically and logistically and economically, it's a disaster. My son was in the, in the military, and he went over to Africa, and he said, Dad, these people have next to nothing in some of these areas, living on $2 a day, if that. If that. And so unless somebody comes behind them and helps them, they're in extreme poverty and hunger, and their only reality is going to be, that's, that's going to be their reality for their short lives. And we can dismiss that by saying that, that Pastor Rick, I mean, that there are those who have and those who have not and go about our merry way. But, but we as Christians who live in the areas that have are going to have a real tough time explaining to God how we saw our brothers and sisters in need and we chose to do nothing. What, what do we say to the father of a child who's dying of malnutrition? That, that I had to buy one more $50 or $75 gaming cartridge? I just had to have it? Or I had to replace my 55-inch TV that worked just fine with a 75-inch? Or, or, or I had to replace the rims on my brand-new car with new ones, shinier ones? But we couldn't part with a buck to help a brother or sister in need. 
World hunger and other outliers are definitely an issue in this world today, and we should be actively a part of the solution, especially for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in need. And that's why we support the various ministries that we do. That's why we partner with the people in India. And famines is one of the signs of the end times. That as well as wars and rumors of wars and nations rising against nations. And all that's happening in real time. We see it with Russia and Ukraine and Israel and Hamas and Iran and Hezbollah. We see it with China and North Korea and Taiwan and other conflicts and potential conflicts in this world. All these, in my humble opinion, are precursors to what many believe will lead to be the final conflict. With I believe the final conflict is going to be with radical Islam declaring a holy war against all infidels. Now, you might ask who the infidels are. Because Rick, they're the Jews. No. It includes the Jews. But it's Jews, it's Christians, it's, it's atheists, it's, it's anyone who's not a Muslim or Muslim enough. And it tickles me when I see groups of people marching in support of what Hamas did in Israel on October 7th. Groups like uh, the LGBTQRST, whatever, they, whatever they're going by these days. And I say to myself, they're out there, they're holding the sign, free, free Palestine, free Palestine, in their little rainbow colors. And I'm thinking, should somebody tell them? Should somebody tell them what happens to homosexuals in, in Muslim countries? They throw them off roofs. It's not tolerant. Israel is more tolerant of homosexuals than any of these Muslim countries. In fact, they say since World War II, there have been 142 recorded worldwide conflicts. These are serious and dangerous times we're living in. Now, you need to ask yourself, is the stage being set? for the return of the Lord, and if so, are you ready? Are you ready? I said we have to keep our eyes on Israel because the Bible says in the last days, let me give you the number five, all the nations of the earth will gather against Jerusalem. Zechariah said in chapter 12, verse 2, he says, I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding peoples reeling. Judah will be besieged as well as Jerusalem. On that day, when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations, and all who try to move it will injure themselves. It's, Israel is not going anywhere. You're just going to hurt yourself because at some point the Bible says God is going to take up their defense. And I don't know about you. I don't know any. God has never lost a battle. Come on, somebody. Now, we see the seeds of this eventually future conflict already being sown, especially in the United Nations. They've made resolutions. One of them was the resolution declared that Israel's control over Jerusalem was illegal and therefore null and void. The resolution passed with a vote of 133 in favor, one against Israel, and one abstention, United States. In fact, the 
state of Israel has, had, has been condemned in 45 resolutions by the United Nations Human Rights Council that was formed in 2006. And they say this is almost as many resolutions condemning Israel alone than on issues for the rest of the world combined. Combined. The UN is nothing but an anti-Semitic organization. They should close it down and we shouldn't be funding it at all. Also concerning Israel and end times, the Bible says that when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction is going to happen. Because at some point, some, well, we'll talk about that in a moment. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 37, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the, in the coming of the, at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving into marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. And so what is Jesus saying? He's saying just like in the days of Noah, people will be going to their jobs, and they'll be day trading, and they'll be shopping and eating and drinking. Some will be getting married. Some will be watching TV, and yes, even going to church. And the Bible says, suddenly, suddenly the Son of Man is going to return and destruction will come. And in in that, the Bible describes what the destruction is going to look like for those who come against Jerusalem. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 12, it says, this is the plague with which the Lord will strike all the nations that fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they are still standing on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot in their mouths. Notwithstanding that the world is concerned that the, that the level of the water has gone up two inches, the Bible says God is not going <laughs> to be wiping out the world <laughs> with the flood anymore. That's the rainbow. Notwithstanding that the homosexuals have tried to take it, that's not a promise to homosexuals. That's a promise to the world, the rainbow. I'm not going to destroy the world by a flood. But when things get so bad again, no, it's not going to be a flood. It's going to be a fire. And for the first time in 6,000 years of recorded history, we have that technology on the earth. What, what do you know that can cause flesh and eyes and tongues to instantly rot while people are still standing? Come on, somebody. Does that sound like a nuclear event to you? It sounds like he saw Zechariah some thousands of years, because sometimes they, they can only, they don't know. All they can see is what they can see. They, the technology wasn't there. All they can see what they can see, and he wrote it down. It looked like a nuclear event, which leads me to 7 and 8, in which the last days says that's going to happen. It says there will be an increase in travel, and there will be an increase in knowledge. Daniel said in 12, chapter 12, verse 4, he says, But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end, when many will rush here and there. And what does it say? Knowledge will increase. Many will rush here and there, and knowledge will increase. Now listen to me. Prior to the mass-produced automobile, most of the country and the world got around by walking, or horseback, or horse-drawn carriage, or boat. But in the 19th century, this held true since recorded time. Now, now not only do we have cars, we have jet airplanes. What happened in 1969? Somebody sent somebody to the moon, come on. So what used to take days and weeks and months to travel now takes hours. 
And travel is not the only area of technology that we've seen a boom in. We've got the telephone, we've got the cell phone, we've got Wi-Fi, there's 5G went up everywhere. And we can talk to people, right now, we can talk to people in China or Zimbabwe, come on. We have satellite technology, which is a big deal because for the first time in all history, all the world can watch what's going on anywhere in the world at the same time as it happens. Now, why is this significant? Because in Revelations, it speaks of the last days slaying of two of God's prophets or his witnesses that's going to be prophesying against the evil that's taking place in this world and against the Antichrist. And the fact that the, it says that the world will see what's taking place in real time. Revelation chapter 11, verse 1. Then I was given a measuring stick, and I was told, go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the number of worshipers. But do not measure the outer courtyard, for it has been turned over to the nations. They will trample the holy city for 42 months, and I will give power to my two witnesses. And they'll be clothed in burlap with and will prophesy during those 1,260 days. These two prophets are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone tries to harm them, fire flashes from their mouths and consumes their enemies. And this is how anyone who tries to harm them must die. They have, put, they have power to shut the sky so that no rain will fall for as long as they prophesy. And they have the power to turn the rivers and oceans in the blood. So we're going to start seeing miracles like, like Moses in those days. We're going to start seeing that on the earth. To strike the earth with every kind of plague and often as they wish. Verse 7. And when they complete their testimony, the beast that comes out of the bottomless pit will declare war against them, and he will conquer and kill them. And their bodies will lie in the main street of Jerusalem, the city that is figuratively called Sodom, and Egypt, the city where the Lord was crucified. And for three and a half days, all, all peoples, tribes, and languages and nations will stare at their bodies, and no one will be allowed to bury them. And all the people who belong to this world will gloat over them and give presents to each other to celebrate the death of the two prophets who had, been, who had tormented them. And so the Bible says at that point, everyone's going to be able to see it. Just 100 years ago, that was impossible. Just 100 years ago, that was, was impossible. Now with real-time satellite television, it's very possible. Medical advances have gone through the roof with medicines and brain surgeries, heart transplants, lung transplants. The last century was called the Industrial Revolution. This century is called the Age of Technology. And we've all seen and experienced a technological boom in our lifetime. We, we've seen inventions come and in our lifetime become obsolete, as the Word of God says, because of further advances in technology. Who, who remembers these things? Right? What is the one right here? The, 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 what is that one? The phone-looking one. What is that called? Someone say a rotary phone. Everyone my age and older knows what that is. Lisa didn't know what that was. <laughs> she knew what it was. She said, but we went to an escape room, and that was part of the process of getting out, and, we, and you had to dial certain numbers. And she called me over and said, Pastor Rick, how does this work? <laughs> she didn't know. She's a young person. What about this one? What is this next one? Typewriter. What is that? No, keep going, keep going. Keep, flip it. Nope. That is not a feature. Eight track. Oh, I only got three of you. You only three of you knew what the eight track was. Eight track, and then we got what? Cassette players, iPads, MP3. What is, what is this one? What's this next one? A 
Who had a beeper? Come on, tell the truth. I had a beeper. I had two beepers. All right? And so if you had to be, you're driving along, young people, wherever you just you're listening, you, you don't have this problem. You're driving along, you get beeped. Now, call now. What do you have to do? What do you have to do? You had to pull over and go to, has anyone seen one of these? They were everywhere, but now you can't find them anywhere. And of course, we had this. This was making a comeback. That's making a comeback. My daughter went and bought one. I'm like, what? You don't even own a record. I still have records in my garage somewhere. And then what is this one? And before the cell phone, what was this one? We don't know. Who, who knows what that is? It's a car phone. It was connected to something. Now listen to me. All these have come and gone when? In our lifetime. Knowledge increasing at a rapid pace. Not to mention, now they got this new little thing called AI. And I can't imagine all the nonsense is going to happen with AI. Now, I'm told that the Bible has made about 2,500 prophecies with 2,000 already fulfilled to the T, with only about 500 remaining yet to be fulfilled. Could we be the generation that witnesses all the end-time prophecies being fulfilled? Could we be that generation? Let me give you the last three. This is a major one. They say in the last days that we will see the reconstruction of the temple in Israel. The reconstruction of the temple in Israel that's been destroyed. Something that was prophesied throughout scriptures directly and indirectly as we saw the final showdown that takes place between the two witnesses and the Antichrist. Now, Daniel spoke of this Antichrist. Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, he says, The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven. But after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. And as a climax of all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. Jesus said concerning the same future event in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, Jesus speaking. He says, the day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Reader, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. Now, listen to me. Keep your eyes on Israel. Keep your eyes on Jerusalem. Why? Because in the re rejection of the true Messiah, the Bible says at some point some slick-talking politician and religious leader. Now, let me tell you something. Antichrist does not mean anti-God. Did you hear what I said? Antichrist does not mean anti-God. And, and the three major religions, the, the Jews, the Muslims, and the Christians on this planet, of those three, two of them are looking for their Messiah for the first time. And we're waiting for the return of Jesus. Amen? And so some slick-talking person who will not be, he's not going to be anti-God. He's going to, you know, what do you hear the Muslims saying whenever they're cutting somebody's head off? Allah, Akbar, whatever. Praise, praise God. Praise God. They're going to worship a God. They're just not going to worship Christ. Come on, somebody. So the Antichrist is going to be against Jesus. 
against his followers, against what, what God has done through him. And so uh, this dude's going to come up. He's going to sway the whole world, including Israel. And then he's going to broker a seven-year peace deal for power. And in the middle of it, he's going to break the deal and turn on the Israelis. And the Bible says he's going to erect some kind of sacrilegious image in honor of himself. And all hell is going to break loose. And another temple is going to be raised up in that place where they're going to start this whole mosaic sacrifice thing going on again. And he's going to desecrate that temple. This is what Daniel says. He says in Daniel chapter 11, verse 31, he says, His army will take over the temple fortress, pollute the sanctuary, put a stop to the daily sacrifices, and set up the sacrilegious object that causes desecration. Now listen to me. The Jews weren't there for almost 2,000 years, and now they're back in the land. And so this is the next prophecy. Once you start to see that temple go up, and it's going to go up, because when I was over there back in 2010 or 12, I can't remember which one it was, they were already collecting the objects for when that, the building starts to take place again. The, the, the Holy of Holies and all these things, they're putting all that stuff aside. When you start to see that thing going up, Jesus says, the time is coming. The time is coming. He goes on to say, his army will take over the temple fortress, pollute the sanctuary, put a stop to the daily sacrifices. He's going to set up sacrilegious object that causes desecration. Verse 32, and he will flatter and win over those who have violated the covenant. But the people who know their God will be strong and will resist him. Turn to someone and say, get to know your God. Now listen to me. These are serious times we are living in. It's not time to shrink back or to be fearful, or to be afraid. It's time to get to know your God and understand that what's going on around us and to take the words of the Lord seriously. It is not time to be playing with the church and playing with your relationship. It's time to get serious about the things of the Lord. Luke chapter 21, verse 28 says, Jesus speaking, so when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. And then he gave them this illustration. Notice the fig tree or any other tree. When the leaves come out, you know without being told that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you can know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell you the truth. This generation will not pass away from the scene until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but, but my words will never disappear. Verse 34, watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap, for that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at all times. Pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. So the Bible says, Jesus tells us, during this time where the watch out, not let our hearts become dull by carousing and drunkenness and partying and all this other nonsense that's going on. He says, don't let the words of the life take over your life. Don't let the day catch us unaware. He tells us to keep alert. Keep alert, he says, not sometime, but he says at all times. And to pray that we be strong enough to escape so that we can stand before the Son of Man. The Son of Man is who? Who's the Son of Man? It's a reference to Jesus. It's a reference to his return. 
And what's the only way that we're going to be able to stand before the Son of Man? Help me out, somebody. With your sins forgiven, having been washed in the blood of the Lamb, because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. But because God so loved you and he loved me, he gave his one and only son. That if I believe, you believe, we shall not perish but have eternal life. And then we need to become part of the solution, which is the tenth prophecy about the end times, which is world evangelism. Matthew chapter 24, verse 13, Jesus speaking. And the good news, he says, about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it, and then the end will come. What's the good news about the kingdom? Somebody help me. Help me. What's the good news? Jesus is the good news. He's returning. The good news is this, that in Christ and Christ alone, all of our sins can be forgiven. Amen? Because Jesus paid the price for all of our sins. That's the good. He says when, when the gospel is preached in all the kingdoms and everyone hears it, he says, he says, then the end will come. Now listen to me. With the increase of technology for the first time, this is a very real possibility. When, when that last person hears the gospel and is given the opportunity to respond, the Bible says, time's up. Time's up. Now the question is, when that happens, will you be going with him? Make sure today. Now concerning the rapture, because there's a lot of things about the rapture. People, people have questions about it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says in verse 51, he says, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkle of an eye. At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised and perishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, because that's what we all deserve. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. The Bible says there's going to be a final trumpet call. The dead in Christ will rise first. And those who are alive and remain will be changed in a twinkling of an eye. How long does it take for your eye to twinkle? I just did it. Did you catch it? Just that quick. Just that quick. First Thessalonians 4.13. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed. One translation says, ignorant about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are alive, still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. 
so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So he's, he's just talking about the rapture, the rapture of the church, the video that we saw at the beginning of the thing. When God decides to, 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 to say, okay, this is all over, it's time. It's time, and he's coming back, and he's going to take his church with him. But let me tell you, that's going to happen. But let me, let me give you the 11th one that no one likes to talk about. And he says, during this time that the Bible also predicts there's going to be a persecution for believers. Now, let me read this in context. And Jesus was speaking. I'm coming to a close. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 7, he says, nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of birth pains with more to come. He says, then you'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers, just because you're a Christ follower. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. They can't even tell, tell you what a man or woman is today. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the, Lord of, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. And so, yes, the Bible predicts an end-time rapture. It's the timeline that's often debated because if you go from one denomination to the next, they'll tell you that God's going to come back before all hell breaks loose on this earth. And so they are called pre-tribbers. Pre-tribulation, God's going to pull the church out, and then all hell, hell breaks loose. There are those who believe that sometime in the middle, when this clown does his deception, uh, that God's going to pull us out mid-trib. And then there are those who say, nah, what I can see here, it looks like we're going to be going through some stuff. And they're post-trib. God's going to come back and pull his church out after all this bad stuff happens. Now, now my question to this, because it always comes up, Pastor Rick, me, and we are from a denomination, Southern Baptist denomination, that that believes in pre-tribulation, and we teach that. Don't worry, God's gonna pull you out. And this is my problem with teaching and preaching that, because people always ask me that. My problem is, who do you think are the most persecuted people on the planet today? Are is is it, 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 I'm I'm gonna tell you, it's not the Jews. It's not Muslims, it's not the Sikhs or the Buddhists or the Hindus, or it's not homosexuals. The most persecuted people on the planet today are Christians. Christians. It's happening all, the pastor was here two weeks ago. It's happening not just in India, but it's happening all over the place, especially in largely Muslim areas. You, you don't just lose your job. In many places, you are losing your life. There are more Christians being persecuted and going to their graves today than ever before in history. And so I just have a hard time standing around arguing. They say pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. That's not even, that's a Western argument. They're being persecuted right now. And so what I decided to teach is what the scriptures tell us. He tells us three things that you're finally filling. 
as it comes to the end times, he tells us that we need to be aware and to be prepared. In other words, understand the times. If you look at a tree or the fig tree and you can determine that summer's coming once the leaves come out, you should be able to look at the signs of what's taking place that the scriptures are telling you and determine that the signs of the coming of the Lord are closer than they've ever been. Be prepared. Don't let it catch you off guard. And number two, he says, we need to get to know our God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is not a time to be fooling around with your relationship with the Lord. Get serious with him it's because he doesn't want you caught off guard. Amen? And then thirdly, he expects us. He expects us. Come hell or high water. Well, it's pre-trib, and God knows I wish it's pre-trib. I wish God, I wish he pulls us all out before all this happens. Or, or mid-trib or even post-trib. He expects us to endure to the end. Because if I teach uh, pre-trib and all hell breaks loose, someone's going to say, well, Pastor Rick said that we're going to be pulled out before all this is happening. But it's happening in places all over the world already. You understand what I'm saying? So be ready. Be prepared. And the way you get prepared is to understand what the Bible says about who you are, who he is, and what he requires. Because the scripture says we are all going to stand before our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you are either going to stand forgiven of your sins or you're going to stand in your sins and you're going to pay for your own sins. And for me, it's a no-brainer. Lord, you paid for my sins I'm grateful for what you've done in my life. And I said it yesterday with the man. We are saved by grace. The, the reason God considered the, the, mosaic, the mosaic law obsolete, he instituted it and it required a handshake and he didn't keep breaking it. The people did. They couldn't keep it. Even 10 laws. The Jews have over three, 600 of them. They can't keep 10. Who has, who has always put God first in their life? Who has never told a lie? Who has not looked at someone with lust? You know what I'm saying? Who has not had hatred in their heart? Who's never taken anything that didn't belong to them? You just go through the Ten Commandments and we all fail them. And, and, and so he, he says, I'm going to establish a new covenant with you, not one that's based on of written law, but one that's based on my love towards you. And, and without the shedding of blood, and these were all types and shadows, until Jesus came along, he was just showing them, listen, these are all types and shadows until the perfect one comes. And the perfect one came, and he gave his life, the Lamb of God took away the sins of the world, and, and, and they looked forward to when the coming of Abraham and them looked forward to the coming of the Lord. And then we look back but to that perfect sacrifice. But the Jews today are still trying to figure out this mosaic thing. They're going to set up another temple, which is going to fail again because no one could follow the Lord. There's none righteous, no, not one. The person who declares themselves righteous that they've never sinned, the Bible says is a lie and the truth is not in him. All have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. The wages and what we all deserve is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord.
And the scripture says, one of the signs of the end times is that gospel, the good news of the gospel, is going to be preached throughout the entire earth. And once that last person hears it, then the end will come. And it's good news because the good news says, I cannot save myself. You cannot save yourself. God did all the work through his son, Jesus Christ. The only thing he's asking you and I to do is to believe and to put your trust in him and allow him to not just give you a list of rules or whatever. He says, I'm going to write, I'm going to, I'm going to put my, I'm going to come in by his Holy Spirit and I'm going to put my desires on your heart. There's some people who take their scriptures and say, well, God says he's going to give me the desires of my heart. And they start walking around and start lay, laying their hands on things and say, I claim this, this is a desire of my heart. I want this Lamborghini. And they go in the car and say, God, claim it. And they, and they see a fine girl and say, God, I'm going to claim this girl. This is the desire of my heart. That's not what he means. He says, I'm going to give you the desires of your heart, meaning I'm going to put my desires in your heart. And when we come in through his grace, his Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in us, and then he starts to change our desires. You will start to want what he wants. Does that make sense? The things that would have caused you harm or offense, all of a sudden you're not going to want to do it anymore. Why? Because you have a the Holy Spirit now living inside of you. And it's a covenant that says, I'm never going to let you go. Once he's in, he says, I'm going to stay here because I love them. And so God loves us enough to accept us just the way we are, but he loves us way too much to keep us that way. And that's why I always say, brother, sister, if, if you've truly accepted God or Christ in your life, then there should be some kind of change taking place. If, if, you don't, if nothing has changed and it's still business as usual, you said a prayer. And I don't know if that prayer is going to save you. But if, the, if you've ex truly accepted Christ, your life will change. Your heart will change. Your stinking thinking will change because his Holy Spirit will reside within you. And he gives us all that opportunity. It starts by acknowledging that you are a sinner, you need a Savior, and Jesus is the only way. Don't get caught off guard. The Bible says, don't get caught off guard. Let's be aware of what's taking place. If we can determine that summer is coming based on what's happening with leaves and trees, then we should be able to determine where we are in the eschatological timeline based on what we see happening in the scripture and what God is saying taking place in Israel. If Jesus were to return today, this is my final question. Would you be going with him? And if the answer to that is I'm not sure, you can be sure. Just humble your heart. Acknowledge what God has done for you through his son, Jesus Christ. And turn your life over to him. And 
that's you today, it'll be my privilege and my honor just to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him. Let's everybody bow our heads and close our eyes. And if you want to be sure and you want me to pray for you, whatever your heads bowed and your eyes closed, just slip up your hand and say, Pastor Rick, that's me. I want to be sure about my salvation. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see you, brother. I see you. Anyone else? I see you. I see you. Anyone else? I don't have to see you online. God sees you. Say something like this from your heart. Heavenly Father, I want you. I want to be ready for when you return. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And don't be flip. Just say, Lord, forgive me. And if it's you said something harsh or there's something going on in your life that you need to repent of, just tell him, no, he knows anyway. But confession creates an atmosphere of humility. It acknowledges that I've made mistakes before a holy and righteous God and that you're truly sorry for what you've said and what you've done. Repentance leads to forgiveness and a changed life, godly repentance. Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me for my sins. I ask you to come into my life and to come into my heart and from this day forward, Lord, be my Savior and be my Lord. I don't want to be caught off guard. From this day forward, I invite you to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Three days later, rising from the dead. And because you live, I will live. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.